first thing that comes to mind for me is just really uh, analyzing the movement patterns involved all the way through the course. Like, you know, going up the stairs to me very closely mimics a lunge pattern, just as an example. The next piece of that is going to be energy systems. And I know you're going to go into a much deeper dive on energy systems, but but it really makes sense to optimize the athlete in, in a specific energy system that relates to the competition that uh, he or she will be participating in. And then the other really important piece to all of this that may be underutilized for some is the whole recovery aspect. This is the RIT Team Radio Podcast, dedicated toward the wellness initiative of the fire and rescue community. Stay with us as we explore and share evidence-based research, information, and training methods. Here's your host, Hussein Jabai. Welcome to part two of the Firefighter Challenge here on RIT Team Radio, where I'm again joined uh, by Trevor Farah, as well as Ryan Proventure, where we're going to be talking about more of uh, a little bit more of Trevor's experiences within the course, but then being able to uh, segment out what it really means to go through the course, what it, the toll it takes on the body, more of the sciencey side. What does bioenergetics say? Um, what different energy systems are we utilizing within this course? And then being able to pick apart what are different movement patterns? What's the biomechanic side? What is what are different assessments we can do to evaluate these different attributes, these different components? So uh, with all of that being said, I'm going to kind of uh, shift it over to Trevor. And Trevor, just give us a brief, brief rundown because the previous episode, the first episode, we talked about the course. Right, we kind of introduced what what the challenge is, the fire fire challenge. So, just a brief overview: what is the challenge, and just what are the tasks? What's up, guys? Good to be back. So, the uh, firefighter combat challenge, the toughest two minutes in sports, uh, all out firefighting task race. Uh, started out as a fitness test, and now it's become our Olympics. It's pretty competitive. So, the, uh, the tasks are stairs. You go up and down, and you get to the top, you uh, hoist a hose, it mimics hoisting uh, equipment, you come back down, you hit a force machine with a uh, mallet, mimics using an axe, then you run through fire hydrants, you drag a hose, you're dragging a hose like you would in a fire, and then you pick up Rescue Randy and you drag him backwards. All right. I like how you mentioned well, your dragon hose, <laughs> just like just like you would. Um, yeah. I think that's Fire last time you did, last time you described. I think that's exactly what you said too. I mean, it's when you, we talk job simulation, right? That's exactly what you're doing. Um, and, and just simple. <laughs> do what? Keep keep it simple for firefighters. Keep it right? simple. <laughs> keep yeah. It simple. Um, uh, and I mentioned different components of this that we would kind of pick it apart and. Uh, Ryan, on, on your side, when you first look at the challenge as a coach, as a trainer, what is it? Where do your eyeballs go? Like, what does that mean to kind of evaluate? Um, and we'll hone in on each one of these, but just overview. What are you looking for uh, from a performance perspective? If you're going to coach individuals and then uh, we'll transition to Trevor here in a second. But when you're when you're looking, what does that mean to you? Yeah, so when you take a step back and you look at the course in totality and you consider the performance aspect of it in a competitive environment, as, as Trevor just described, first thing that comes to mind for me is just really uh, analyzing the movement patterns involved all the way through the course. Like, 
you know, going up the stairs to me very closely mimics a lunge pattern, just as an example. The next piece of that is going to be energy systems. And I know you're going to go and do a much deeper dive on energy systems, but but it really makes sense to optimize the athlete in, in a specific energy system that relates to the competition that uh, he or she will be participating in. And then the other really important piece to all of this that may be underutilized for some is the whole recovery aspect. So, you know, when, when we, and we will, we'll talk all about physical attributes and we'll kind of get into one, what, what are those physical attributes that best support performance for the athlete? And then how, as coaches, do we build a comprehensive program program that supports them long-term uh, in terms of their performance? So that's, you know, an evaluation as a coach is to understand these different components, these different uh, segments, if you will, uh, from an observation, uh, a measurement, and then from a prescriptive manner. In order to do, to do that, though, and, and also from, let's say, Trevor's personal experience, what does it mean to go through the course? Like when you're going through, Trevor, on your side, when you're going through and you know, uh, you could be as descriptive as you, as you want, right? But as you're going through, what does it mean to, to go through each task? What is, how does your body feel? And this is unique to you, right? Depending on the individual, depending on where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are, not from the aspect of strength as an attribute, but just where they're relatively uh, have high performance in um, and, and where they're weak at, it, they might have a different feeling, but kind of an overview as you're going through, uh, kind of run through each of the tasks and then your own personal experiences through that. Yeah. So first things first is trying to keep your nerves down and then, <laughs> and then when it's ready to go, it's go time. Right. Uh, so yeah. So when you're, when you're first picking up the pack and you're going up the stairs, it's a all out sprint. Um, so when you get to the top of the stairs, usually the lock guys is starting to build up. You're already tired. You're only 15 seconds in. Um, so then the, so the roll pull is just, just all out as hard as you can, as fast as you can. And you can almost kind of get a little bit of recovery there. And then coming down, uh, it's coming down is kind of an art. You want to come down fast, but at the same time, slow your breathing down, get some oxygen going. And, and just don't think about how, how hard the rest of the course is. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, uh, the, the force machine, it's, it's, it's a good combination between how fast you can hit it and how hard you can hit it. You can hit it really hard, really slow, and you're going to come off it really slow. Um, so you got to kind of find the fine balance. And then when you're going through the hydrants, it's uh, it's a sprint. It's You're tired, and now you got you got all your equipment on, you got your bottle on, and you got to find some energy to sprint it through the cold, through the, um, the hydrants. And then for me personally, dragging the hose is one of the hardest parts it's it's heavy and it just kicks the shit out of you, slows you right down. Mentally, you're exhausted. Your legs are finished. You can't even you can't even get enough oxygen in you anymore. And then when you get to the, the rescue, Randy, it's, <laughs> you, you have to, to like it's, <laughs> you get to the final task, which is you know, and I don't know if it's the the most difficult and and what's interesting enough. And we'll talk about this later on on competitive versus non competitive is everyone always says from a non-competitive side, if we could just put the, the victim rescue at the beginning, I'd be okay. If there's a reason <laughs> yeah. they put it toward the end, right? So what, it, you know, other than being gassed and just being, you know, just trying to catch your breath with, which physiologically, like you really can't, like yeah. what, 
when you're lifting rescue randy when you're going through that process like where do you feel on your body what what's taking the most demands or, or taking the most toll on you yeah so you get to them your body is just saying stop it, it's it doesn't want to go anymore but now you have to deadlift this thing and you got to hold it and it, it, it's heavy it's, it's 175 pounds and all the weight is sitting on your quads your quads are already screaming so now you're starting to move backwards and the lactic acid is not letting your legs move. Like you're, you're just, feels like you're stuck, but then you have to break that mental barrier. And you just go, you just figure it out, dig deep. Um, <laughs> you're like, your legs just don't want to move, but guess they what? Don't want to move. The course, like you get, you have to move. Right. For me personally, I'll get, I'll get halfway through the dummy drag and my vision is getting really small. I know that like you're, teetering on the edge of passing out i have i've actually have passed out before but it's just it's just mind over matter when it gets when it gets to that point i think that's the hardest part for most people you're gonna have to share that story with us another time that's for sure i'll show you a video but but yeah i mean the everything you mapped out from personal experience makes sense when we start talking about the science of why right we talked about um, lactate and lactic acid and, and just the accumulation of lactate and how you felt that sensation in your legs where you just couldn't move any further. You weren't able to replenish your systems and to eliminate the lactate out of your system and to be able to keep going. And so that's where here we'll talk about kind of the, the science of why, right? And we'll talk about energy systems as a whole. So I like to try and keep, keep it as simple as possible. Um, think of energy systems as uh, different fuel sources or energy sources where we can perform from, something that's supplying us with the energy that we need. Now, through these multiple energy systems or supply of energy, um, we're always in some form or fashion, they're all active in nature, but the priority or the percentage that we're utilizing for a specific task for a specific duration is going to kind of differ as they deplete, as the duration goes up and the intensity goes down. Um, And energy systems are a large reason of why intensity goes down and duration goes up. You can't maintain, and you know, right, you might be, you know, all or nothing, maximal effort that first sprint. And even though you powered through those tasks, you had to slow down to at least a small percentage every single couple of seconds because that intensity you did in that sprint, you couldn't just maintain it, especially you got to uh, more of the drags and more toward the toward the end. You know, if yeah. you could maintain intensity, you just pick up the equipment and you just haul it off as fast as possible. But you yeah. were depleting those initial energy sources. So that's how I like to explain it, right? So we have, think, we have our anaerobic alactid, uh, which is our ATP phosphocreatine. This is usually where we associate creatine with. And we think from A, and, and creatine has so many different benefits. Um, I, I can't, you know, preach highly enough about it. But that's where the one of the mentalities uh, with creatine is if I can supplement enough, then maybe I can uh, assist this energy system. But the anaerobic alactic or the ATP phosphocreatine is our initial burst, all or nothing. Think the first six seconds, right? That first sprint, utilize our ATP phosphocreatine system, right? We use all or nothing. After that six seconds, after that first initial maximal effort, 
we start shifting gears and we start going uh, going into the glycolysis energy system, which can be looked at as our anaerobic, uh, lactic, uh, glycolytic system. Uh, it can be looked at as glyco uh, glycolysis, but it's divided into two. So we go from phosphocreatine, drifting into glycolysis uh, or our anaerobic glycolytic uh, system. And we're now utilizing sugar. We're now utilizing glucose. Um, this can be from our muscle. This can be from um, our bloodstream or our liver. There's various sources in which we acquire this, um, but we're now using sugar. We're still not using oxygen per se to supply the energy. So we're still at a higher intensity, but it's lower than what the first initial system was. Um, and for still kind of that, say after six seconds up until probably uh, 30 to about 30 seconds to about a minute. So we're drifting into a little bit longer duration. We're now using sugars. And then we start shifting after about that two minute, three minute mark, we now start supplying the system by oxygen. And it all depends on the accumulation of lactate. About midway through, if we can backtrack a little bit about midway through, our system decides whether we can utilize oxygen or not. And so if we can't, that's where we have to literally, we have to stop. If we cannot maintain that intensity uh, and we have to lower the intensity and have to utilize oxygen, if we're asking it to go at a higher intensity, the body literally cannot. It's not clearing enough lactate out of the system and we can't supply enough energy. That's where when you say you hit the wall and your legs just can't go, in that context, you're very close to literally, there is lit a literal wall where we cannot surpass it. There's a literal physiological wall where if we're not clearing our system in enough time uh, and, and we're just accumulating this, you literally hit the wall and can't keep going. And that's where your body shifts gears to the oxidative or more of the aerobic side. So you literally had to decrease your intensity and now we're going uh, aerobic and now we're going to oxygen context. So you're shifting all through this throughout the entirety of your race. You're going from the ATP phosphocreatine. Then after, you know, the first 10 seconds, now you're shifting into glycolysis, which first is anaerobic, then you shift to aerobic, and then you get into the oxidative. Now you're not in the oxidative as long because hopefully the race isn't longer than, you know, five minutes, but you're, you're shifting to that, that energy system. You're slowly getting to that, uh, that source but that means your intensity had to go down for you to be able to go even farther. So what does this mean from an assessment standpoint? Like, what are we kind of looking for? What are the markers that shows your fitness level? And so I'll, I'll uh, drift this question over to you, Ryan, is what does it mean to be able to, to measure this? How can we look at energy systems from a measurement standpoint? Well, first, I think it's important to note that Trevor never uses his aerobic system because he never goes past the two minutes. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Important to note that for Trevor in particular. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it's this is where we get to kind of talk about how do we measure lactate threshold? How do we measure aerobic capacity? And then coming into other physical attributes, because it does matter. How do we measure muscular strength, uh, power and endurance? How do we measure mobility? All of these things we can measure in, in our exercise physiology lab, or if we've got programs in our fire departments, we could do that as part of our annual fitness assessment, for example, and get these numbers as a baseline. And then once we start getting out onto the course, maybe doing, and we'll talk even how we might use this as a job simulation, we can start to correlate 
the baseline numbers for each of these assessments um, in our fitness assessment to the actual performance on the course. Well, I like how you said, right, uh, and, and Trevor, uh, not going past that, you know, not even getting close to that by mid-marks, you're not even in the oxidative um, or the aerobic side of things. But that's a good thing to note, too, because like you said, the, uh, being labeled as the toughest two minutes, right, is then why would, from a mentality and programming standpoint, this is just just kind of a side side topic, is why would someone even go through and only train cardio per se if they're trying to get better at this if you're not even really emphasizing that energy system just as an open question or or observation uh to you guys well and i think trevor mentioned it just when we were chatting earlier today uh, it's really important to have a foundation for all of these physical attributes so Again, aerobic capacity, muscular strength, endurance, power, uh, all of that baseline. And then, and, and we can measure all of that. And then Trevor, do you just want to share in your experience and even as a coach, how do you see having this baseline information or, or having metrics associated to someone's baseline fitness level to their performance on the course? Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see because some, lots of people don't train properly. They will train the cardio will for a run, which is really not benefiting us at all. Um, but it's neat to see where like the lactic acid builds up, how to kind of push through that, how to train to get to that point. Uh, it's really, really hard to do. Um, so one thing that we'll kind of do, we'll do, we'll, we call them back halves of the course where you do the second half of the course, you do it at a hundred percent, but then you would do it again at a hundred percent and train your body to be tired and the lactic acid is built up to do it again and, and kind of keep pushing that way until, until you can do both rounds almost 100%. Yeah, so pushing, just pushing the body's ability, the body's capacity to be able to do more uh, at a higher intensity for a longer duration, right? And so yeah. from a, a, a lab or clinical setting to be able to look at lactic threshold, you literally have someone – um, on a treadmill per se, and there's a similar to VO2 max treadmill test, something you can do, uh, but it actually involves uh, getting a, uh, a blood sample. So you'll prick their finger a finger and you'll, you'll test it, you'll look at it. And what you're looking for is the uh, concentration of lactate in their blood. And I believe the threshold is four millimoles uh, per deciliter for uh, lactic threshold. And what that means is as you are going through physical exertion, your body is producing lactate and at the same token, you want to be able to clear it from your system at the same or faster rate. So that's not accumulating. Once you exert to the high enough intensity for a high enough in, um, duration, it accumulates faster than you're clearing it. So once you get to and it's labeled at that four uh, millimoles is kind of what is labeled as your threshold. So anything past that, it just constantly accumulates you're not recovering from it you're not clearing it at all so the goal is if you can go uh harder at your threshold versus someone who can't go at a high at uh, the same pace at their threshold then you're more fit and you can finish the course faster so from a lactate threshold from a measurement standpoint now vo2 is similar in nature um the difference is with vo2 there's plenty of submax vo2s you can do uh some sub max vo2s might be better than others 
make sure you do your research on which ones you're choosing and do they really have a good validation and correlation over to a true VO2. Uh, but if you have access to an exercise physiology lab and they can hook you up to a med cart, they can hook you up to uh, something um, uh, to be able to establish that, then VO2, I mean, is another metric to look at. But then again, in your contacts, uh, context, lactate, th uh, lactate threshold is going to be key and being able to maintain a higher intensity for a longer period of time. Um, so let's look at next attribute, right? What are some of the other, when you're picking apart, um, and, and question for you, Ryan, is when you're picking apart the tasks, what is another component you look at? And then maybe how can, how can we look at measuring that? Yeah, right. So, you know, Trevor walked us through the course. And so if we're looking at movement patterns and just quickly brushing through this, so the lunge going up the stairs, horizontal pull in your hose hoist, forcible entry is, is a primarily a hinge, but there's a pulling element as you're bringing the sledge uh, down and, and into the prop. Hose, ad, hose advance is forward locomotion, but there's also a kind of a vertical press through the shoulders. And then last is the big, excuse me, victim rescue, where you've got kind of that deadlift and then reverse locomotion. So you're, you're looking at all the movement patterns and obviously based on everything we've talked about, you can train your energy systems in, in the ways that we've talked about to optimize that in providing energy to, to support you in completing the course, but you also need the, the muscular strength and the power to lift and to move and to, to generate force at each of these phases uh, of the event. And so that becomes a very important piece of your programming and your periodized training, obviously the conditioning side of it, but also the strength side of it. All right, so multiple attributes. You have to be able to maintain that intensity, but then also be powerful enough, be strong enough, have the, have, uh, the endurance depending on the task. So depending on the task, there's an attribute associated with it on top of, hey, guess what? Intensity still gotta be high. So Trevor, on your side, what are some, uh, maybe a couple of the tasks that you specifically train for? And then in addition to that, maybe some areas you've seen other, um, other participants you've coached and observed, maybe areas they fall short or some advice you give them on things to train to prep for those courses. Uh, so something, something I do all the time and I always get everybody else to train is um, I do an eight minute treadmill run. Starts from a walk to a jog to a run to a sprint. The time you get to the sprint, it's all out for two minutes, hard as you can, and uh, see how far you make it. So that's that's kind of kind of what I use to measure. Um, but as far as other uh, other exercises, lots of uh, Olympic lifting. It's full body, over your head, clean and jerk snatches, uh, kettlebell uh, snatches. Um, then we go into sled pushes and pulls. Um, what else? There's some good ones. Uh, med ball slams to mimic uh, mimic the chopping. Um, yeah, those are just – those are a few of my staples, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I try to pass those, on, those ones on. Well, and even just off of that, right, there's parts of those, and you mentioned, mentioned Olympic lifting and, and um, picking apart the components, right, being powerful, 
being able to do Olympic lifts, doing snatches. Um, you mentioned be it choosing med ball slams and different tasks that associate the movement patterns, right? So choosing your tasks, choosing your exercises based on the tasks you're doing in the challenge. It's not just like, oh, you know, I want to, I feel like I should improve chest. I'm going to go in and improve chest or, hey, this might incorporate some sort of bicep. Let me just go do biceps, right? You're kind of picking apart what the attributes are, what the movements are, and then how do you choose exercises off of that? Um, what are some lessons learned or even some advice you give uh, some of the participants that you coach or observe, or maybe maybe areas they fall short where they're training a certain way. And then you're like, hey, if you're really trying to prep for this, might, you know, shift gears in, in some manner. A big one for me is I see a lot of people training really, really heavy, really slow. And this course is still about speed. You still got to get through as fast as you can. Um, so I always tell everybody, as soon as you start slowing down, you're done. Drop drop the weight, do it again. Um, so that, that's a big thing. And I think you're just training your body to move slow. So when you're tired in the course, exactly what you're going to do. So let's train our bodies to move fast uh, to get to get through it. Um, that's probably the biggest one. That's I see a lot of people training slow and heavy and like long, we'll say dummy drag. They'll do long, long dummy drags for a minute. Well, your dummy drag is only 15 seconds. So let's learn how to do this fast as we can for 15 seconds. Um, that's a big one. Ryan, on your side, from a observation and measurement stand piece, are there any kind of uh, strength tests or endurance tests or power tests or any kind of a measurement components or, or tests that uh, you feel like individuals could implement to be able to observe of what their current status is or what their current level is at? I think there's different ways you can approach it. I think the most basic way is to really embrace you know, the IFF, IAFC have kind of updated their fitness assessment for firefighters. It does include aerobic capacity. It does include power, muscular strength, and endurance. And it's very simple to uh, facilitate that in a fire station, for example. So I think that may be something that's the most accessible for the most people. And then you could get into uh, other assessments like Trevor referred to that his treadmill test, as he called it, 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 it's a baseline, like how far into that final two minutes can the athlete get before they start? Yeah, that's a good one though. <laughs> and you get to record that. And then as yeah. they move, uh, that number gets better and better and better. And then hopefully, and I'm sure Trevor has seen that it translates onto the course. And then the other thing I want to kind of talk about, uh, certainly from an assessment standpoint, but also from a training standpoint is we can really use this course uh, in certainly in a competitive environment, but also in a non-competitive environment. So we could use the course itself as a measurement, as a baseline fitness assessment for speed. We could also really slow things down. How many times can you go through the course on one bottle before your bell rings? So yeah. and that's an objective measurement that kind of captures all of this into one evolution. So uh, I know in the part three, uh, we're gonna collaborate and provide some different workouts for folks to, to really give them something uh, intentional that they can dig into. But when we're talking about just that assessment piece, we really have a lot of options uh, from, from something very simple and very basic to something more complex uh, that may even uh, utilize uh, in your lab, for example. Right, and, and as you were, uh, explaining 
there's various, uh, I like how you said, there's various ways, right? There's no one set way to measure uh, an attribute um, to acquire a very specific metric. It depends. It depends is like the snazziest and most common phrase you're going to hear in, <laughs> in the fitness. And I know it's like we're in the in academics, and all those great things. It's give me a clear cut scientific answer. And it depends probably pops up 99 percent of the time. But it depends on what you're looking for and how you're measuring and then what you're doing with it. Right. Um, in, in, in many instances, yes, it can be great to use validated and very common uh, tests that are out there, but even creating your own. I mean, I, I, Trevor, I like your test. There's very big, as long as you do the same protocol every single time, then you get a baseline and you see how they improve. It's hitting on those energy systems that you're using. Now, like how far can you get in the two minutes? And it's, it's looking at the energy system itself. It's not the actual task. So it's the specificity is not as high, literally replicating the task, but from an energy system component, that's what you're looking at. And it's, uh, there's various ways to do that. Same thing with power. There's certain tasks you do within that, within the challenge where it's very power driven. Doesn't mean every power test is, is right for you, but choose a power test that's looking at that that movement pattern and in the capacity of power and there you go you have a baseline you have something measurable because if you can measure it you can manage it you can prescribe off of that and you have the ability to get the results to get the adaptations that you need yet it, yes it requires finding the test to to measure that but then getting the coaching the advice the prescription and developing that plan um to to be able to move forward uh before i wrap this this the the episode up as far as summary and and so forth you two have any other words of wisdom extra yeah extra two cents anything to add uh for those that are listening on the uh more the uh just the analysis of the course itself well i think we can tie this into hussein a lot of what we talk about we we talk about being intentional in your training we talk about you know, for firefighters, we can still have the structure of periodization and still bring in the flexibility that supports the stress of firefighting and shift work. And when we look at this event, either as a competitive event or even as a non-competitive event, we can structure an entire periodized physical training program around this event that includes strength training twice a week, that includes uh, metabolic conditioning once a week or twice a week that includes focused recovery and regeneration in between your work sessions so that when you are training to Trevor's point, you have access to that speed and you can reach the intensity that you want to reach without overtraining. You're actually recovering and preparing and progressing in the program to optimize your performance. Fantastic. And then Trevor, on your side, those that are looking to train for this challenge, I mean, words of wisdom or lessons learned, maybe things you did and you're like, man, that didn't work out well for me, whatever it might be. Uh, what's 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 kind of a tidbit of, of wisdom for the audience here? Smooth is fast. Learn learn to be smooth and you'll get fast. It, and then that comes with strength, comes with speed as well. Uh, but smooth is fast. That's uh, that's my infinite wisdom right there. There you go. Muscle memory. And then also uh, uh, try and lessen the nerves before you start. And then something about not trying to pass out. All, yeah, those, yeah. <laughs> all those great things. 
Well, awesome, gentlemen. We talked about anything from just an overview of energy systems, making sure if you're prepping for this, you're training in the right energy systems. You're looking at the course and what the task consists of from an attribute. Is it strength? Is it power? Um, is it uh, agility? Is it endurance, right? What are the attributes of the tasks? Um, and then looking at movement patterns and looking at from a non-competitiveness or from the challenge itself as a competition. So um, giving a very um, a breakdown of the course itself and then drifting into the next episode, we're going to give you very prescriptive, very actual things to do based on what we know about the course. Here are things we can do. Here are things, uh, takeaways that you can incorporate into your regimen. And then moving forward, you'll be able to implement these plans into um, your training prescription.